0: From Potomac Fund Management, this is the Conquer Risk Podcast featuring Alex Cavallari. Welcome to the Conquer Risk Podcast. I'm Christopher Norton. There's been much discussion in our industry recently about attire, so I thought I would offer my views on the subject by wearing this London fog jacket my father purchased in 1977. With that out of the way, I am ecstatic to have our guest today, Alex Cavallari. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I am excited
1: to be here, and I love that jacket.
0: Oh, thanks. It's, it's uh, great. My partner loves it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so Manisha has been on your podcast, and we talk often, but this is the first time we get to do this. So... Um, I'm I'm really excited to kind of jump in because anytime a marketer gets to talk to a marketer, uh, there's an opportunity to really geek out. Yes. But I thought I thought we could do something that we've certainly never done on this podcast before, which is talk about where the breakdown points are for advisors as they're marketing. Because I don't know about you, but we see like a big spectrum of people from people that have really aggressive marketing efforts, and then people that still don't even have a website, which I really struggle to wrap my brain around. But on the journey, where do you as an expert see people fall off the rails from the beginning to even when they're having some success? So to just get us started, yeah, what do you think are some of the biggest either misconceptions or mistakes that advisors have or make when they're first starting to get into marketing?
1: Um, To get into it, I think there's a couple of things that I think advisors specifically run into issues when they're starting their marketing journey. Um, And we see all different points. To your point, we see people who are coming in who have done some stuff, thrown some stuff at the wall, um, hoping it will stick. Have no website. Have a website that's not functional. Um, we see that a lot. Um, but I think the the a few of the biggest things. I think the three biggest things that we see are first of which is one not truly understanding who they're going after from a customer perspective or a client perspective. I think when an advisor and this is hard to do, right? Because especially if you're a young advisor, you want to just bring in as much as much money as you can and you want to have you know you don't want to necessarily close off anybody who could become a client. Um so from that perspective I fully get why advisors struggle with this and we empathize with them in a big way but I think the biggest mistake that we see is not being super clear from a marketing perspective on who you're communicating to and why um is the biggest mistake that we see advisors make. Um
0: go ahead. I I Well, I was just gonna identify with that a little bit because in my agency days, the first place we would always start was trying to get to the core of their value proposition beyond all the jargon and the things that everybody says to help them distinguish. Because when you asked them, Well, you know, who is your ideal client? the answer was always basically old people with money. Right. And and they couldn't define it beyond that. And mm-hmm. so by getting to the core of, well, what, h- how do you see your offering? You could usually help them identify an audience. And that's something I know that I think we've even struggled with a little bit at Potomac because we've launched this research product because it's the first thing that we have that is a broader scope yeah. and has... I think, potential for a wider audience of financial advisors, but it's really easy to sit back and be like, well, this is for everybody, all advisors. Everybody wants this. Yeah, And we've had to narrow that down and get a little bit more focused because while maybe that's true, the people that will actually be interested and get daily use out of the product is a narrower band.
1: Yeah, and and we've struggled with the same thing. Originally we were like, you know, everybody, every advisor, you know, we can partner with in marketing, like, let's go. Yeah. Um, yeah. and we've we've very, very, uh, we very quickly realized that, you know, we partner with a certain type of advisor, um, small to medium sized RIAs was our sweet spot um for the for our, our product and our platform. And I think that for advisors to 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 get clear on who you're going after is not only important from like a business service standpoint, but it's also important from just an energy perspective, like a mental and a physical energy standpoint. If you're having to one week create a piece of content for pre-retirees, and then the next week you're trying to create a piece of content for millennials who are looking to buy a house, it is just such a different way of thinking. And it's very hard to parse your energy purely from a creation standpoint at the end of the day
0: that is really insightful because i i think the 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 most common failure i see people make at the beginning is burnout Mm -hmm. because they're like i'm gonna do this and then after a month they're like i am so (laughs) exhausted i'm never writing another thing again and they don't and that goes back to your point though because they're so broadly focused they're yep. trying to do all these things and they they can't build on it and they and they just they get frustrated and they stop.
1: Yeah, and I think to to that point too it also gets to this place where it takes a long time for people to recognize you as an expert in a specific space. And you get yeah. sick of yourself talking. Like it's just the reality. You get sick of saying the same thing. I get sick of saying the same. I'm sure you do. Like I'm sure Manish does. Manish
0: like, has uh, quit this podcast like two or three yeah, times so because like, he was so tired. Yeah,
1: exactly. So you're going to get sick of yourself. And that's just the reality. And I think the key there is that even if you're getting sick of yourself, the at the end of the day, the person at the other end who's listening, consuming, reading, whatever it is, They may be seeing that for the first time. They may be seeing that for the second time. They may be seeing that for the sixth time, but they haven't taken action. So it's to that point where it is about repetition, which kind of bleeds into like the second mistake of like marketing takes a long time. And there is a misconception. And I blame marketers for this in our space. Truly, I do. Because there's a misconception that you can turn on something and you're just going to it's gonna release, you know, the the waterfall and, and you're gonna see, and we all get the DMs on LinkedIn. Hey, I can help you get 50, 60 leads a month right off the bat, you know, no money down, whatever. <laughs> so, oh, and I think that's a misconception. No, for the low, low
0: price. <laughs>
1: the low, low price. Yeah. So that's a misconception, which has generated this idea of like marketing brand building momentum in communications doesn't take a lot of time. And it does. And it takes a lot of time for you as a brand, as an advisor, as a practice to build that momentum. And the best way to do that is to go out with the same message to the same group, repackage it in 50 different ways um, and talk about a lot of similar things to the same audience on their pain points.
0: I wholeheartedly agree. Um, And I think uh, We've used the example before, but this podcast, which has begun to really gain some traction and we're very grateful for that audience and the people that share it, but we were two years head down before that happened. It was, you know, when we, when we cracked like four dozen views, we were like, all right, yeah, here we go. And, and then after two years, we finally started to see real growth. And let me tell you, we quit many, many times in there. It was Manish sometimes. Other times it was me. I was like, I'm so tired of editing these damn videos. Why do we still do this? Yeah. Um, but we stuck with it. And and here we are. Yeah, Manish, is, Manish may hate me for saying this, but I
1: remember when he wasn't too fond of Twitter back in the day when it came to it from a business perspective. This was like, back in, I think, 2019, maybe 2018, one of the two times, uh, one of the two years. But... Um, you know, I, I, I remember going back and forth with him on Twitter and about social, about business development and marketing and brand building. Um, as you were going, as he was going through and Potomac was going through those, those early, early days in the marketing
0: side. Well, to pick on him even more, um, he was really frustrated with one of the, I don't know. I, I don't remember which topic it was, but there was some topic that was all anybody was talking about for a week and he quit. Twitter. And I don't just mean he he didn't want to do it anymore. He deleted his account. And I was like I was like maybe maybe go through the thing and undelete it and just and just don't for a month and see if you want. But if you delete it, you're going to lose all your connections and all the things. So maybe just give it a break. <clears throat> he did take a break for like 12 hours and then he was back like always. So There you go. I, I, it, and it's, it's fun to pick on him because it's always fun to pick on him, but we all go through this. Like, yeah. it's a very common thing Like there have been days where I've just like wanted to throw my laptop off the balcony. Cause I'm like, I am so tired of this, Yeah. but you've got to get over that hump.
1: Yeah. You got to push through it. And I think it's this idea of like, and that's why it's so important to get so clear on who you're going after from an audience perspective is because as you're pushing that same message in different ways, or as you're pushing content to that same group, covering their different pain points or covering different topics, you start to see those early wins. And a lot of those win early wins are not quantitative. Most early wins in marketing. Yeah. This is what a lot of people like they think, okay, it's going to be go from zero to leads, leads a month to five leads a month or go from, um, you know, a hundred page views on the, on their site to a thousand, right? And you think about these quantitative metrics and really it's not, it, it comes down to qualitative. You start to get people saying, oh, I saw this post from you or feedback from a client that says, I saw that you created this or some type of conversation that you're having and someone said, I saw you on LinkedIn. And those are the qualitative wins early, early, early days that you where you know something is the gears are starting to turn. Something is starting to work.
0: And I think that so it's probably the next mile marker of where I see people make mistakes is they get some of those early wins and they're like, it's working. And you would think that that would be a reason to double down and really commit to what you're doing. But the mistake I often see people make is they're like, oh, I'm out there. This is working. It's getting attention. I will I don't have to. I don't have to do stuff all the time now because stuff's coming in. And then it stops. Yeah. Because obviously.
1: yep. And it comes in waves. Um, And that's the biggest thing to, to learn about these marketing wins is like, they do come in waves. You may have weeks where you don't see any inbounds or you don't see any wins or you don't see any quantitative increases or whatever it is. And then it comes in waves. And this is the, this is the idea of momentum is that these, these waves that start off like, very, you know, the, the time between the waves is, is pretty lengthy. Um, where, you know, one month you may have a really good month, next month, maybe a down month or week or whatever, but the wave cadence starts to get shorter and you still have the waves and still things still come in waves from a marketing standpoint, you still have weeks and months where you're going to have a lot more positive momentum than less. Um, but these, as you continue to build on the marketing that you're doing, these waves become shorter or the time between the waves become shorter. And you may have go from months to weeks or weeks to days to where you're seeing these wins start to build up and stack up over time.
0: It reminds me of the, the, the meme I've seen about the journey of a startup <sighs> and just sort of like the emotional roller coaster of it where you're like, this is so great. And then you're like, everything's... We're all this is never gonna work, and then it comes back up, and you're like, I'm brilliant, I'm the smartest person. That then it goes back to that. Is such the journey of a marketer because we'll put out content that I feel is just really good and sharp, maybe funny and nothing. Yeah, nothing. Right. And I'll just be like, I am I am an idiot, like I don't know anything. I have been faking it my entire career, I don't, I do not know how to do this. And then two weeks later on a Sunday, we'll get all of the traffic that I had expected to get like in a six-hour window. And it's because it needed time to be digested and looked at by the right people at the right time when they had set aside to look at things. And that's something I think that has surprised me is not only the the gaps and how they hopefully tighten up a little bit. But when I expect people to engage our content, you know, we, we read and we study all these things about the right time of day to post in the right days of the week to send an email and things like that. And what I have found is we get most of our engagement on the weekend. Yeah. And I don't know if that is just a shift where people choose to go back and, you know, absorb this kind of content on a Sunday night or maybe on a Saturday when they're working out or something, but it never happens when I think it's going to happen. And we've just learned to kind of lean into that. I The original vision for our podcast was the serious stuff on Tuesday during the week when people work. And then the fun stuff, like industry gossip and some of our other things, we'll put that out on Friday when the week is kind of winding down. But it doesn't really matter. Most shows get the most views over the weekend, regardless of when we put them out.
1: Yeah, agreed. And I think the other thing too is a lot of the time, it, you know, the um, when it comes to content creation, particularly in content distribution. Uh, another mistake or or something we see a a lot is overthinking, overthinking about what you're putting out. Um, And we see, you know, the whole perfection factor come up a lot with our members on the seven group side um, where they don't want to record something or they don't want to write something because they either have imposter syndrome or they just, you know, they haven't got to a place where they think it's polished enough. And I think to that point, you don't know. And this, I, I, I hold a pretty big philosophy of like, shipping before you're ready whether it's a new product a new service a piece of content whatever um the only way you're gonna know if it's good or if it sucks is if you get it into people's hands like we have launched features on our platform that i'm like probably (laughs) should should take a little (laughs) two weeks of dev on this but you know at the end of the day like the only way you're gonna learn is to get stuff into people's hands, having them consuming it, having them giving you feedback, and then learn from the data on an iterative process. And that's like the only way to learn from a marketing perspective in a business, in my opinion, a business standpoint
0: uh, across the board. That is a phenomenal point. I early this week somebody sent me a preview of a new podcast they're thinking about launching, and they were basically I won't out them because I, I want them to have their their launch moment, but. Um, their only question was is this any good is like should we do this or not and i have to say that it was probably the most interesting like new media podcast i've seen in a long time and i had this little like selfish crisis moment of like i should tell him it's terrible and steal the idea (laughs) manish and i were both like this is such a great idea for a podcast and it was super good. And they were like, "We think we're gonna re- re-record it and try it again." I was like, "No, you'll never recapture the conversation that you had. This is good. Put it out yeah. there. Learn from it. Do better next time. Like, just go."
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, you need you need you know you need your checkpoints in terms of making sure you foundationally are set up appropriately. Like, if you're recording, you should have a proper mic set up. You should have a proper camera set up. There are things that you kind of need to do before you. Before you should chip essentially, but at the end of the day, your editing, most editing is, is, is never perfect. Um, and if you get into a wormhole on like editing anything or copywriting, you're just going to even drive that burnout factor further, um, in any situation.
0: Well, and there's so many great resources out there now for people that want to get started. We have some, a lot of marketing companies have them with tools on the gear to get the kind of, I mean, we're recording on StreamYard right now, which basically alleviates 90% of the editing that we used to do. Yeah. Um, So I think the whole barrier to entry is really coming down for people. Yeah, agreed. (laughs) The last kind of mile marker I wanted to touch on with you is where where do you see the successful people make mistakes and by successful i mean they've gotten over a lot of these things that we've been talking about they have a good marketing engine running they've got consistent leads coming in where do you see those people making mistakes
1: yeah so kind of the biggest area that i see is once you've made progress and you have momentum and you have A fluid flow, I think the biggest thing we see is that um, people pivot for no reason, literally for no reason, because they want to test a different market or because they want to do something else or because, you know, they, for whatever reason, I don't know what it is, but, and this is, I think this is a a business perspective in general, where you think, you know, you're succeeding in something. Now I need to tackle something else or go a different route. And I think the, the key there is that you can do that, but one, you have to make sure that, you know, what you're, you're doing in a specific silo is going to continue to drive the same momentum if you focus your energy somewhere else. Um, and then, but if not, if that's not going to be able to maintain or sustain itself, uh, in general, and you're trying to make a pivot, then really assess like why you're making that pivot. We see people lose momentum just because they decided to change direction on one thing and, for, for no data reason, no feedback reason. Um, so that's, I think a a big thing that we see. I think the other thing that we see is that you're not stacking your learnings, um, to where essentially you can gain a lot of momentum in marketing with, you know, not necessarily reading a lot of the data or getting a lot of the feedback, right? You can just be putting yourself out there and it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a double-edged sword because you can put yourself out there and you can have a lot of success because a lot of these channels have a ton of organic reach. You can build big networks on these channels. um, And you can gain a lot of success, but if you're not necessarily learning from what you're putting out and intentionally learning from what what you're putting out um, in the sense of, you know, what you're seeing working, what you're seeing not working, then, you can get to a place where you're not able to evolve as a business. And if you're not evolving as a business in the context of what you're doing, then things can get stale. And that's just the reality. Uh,
0: Those are two such interesting paired points because I think we may be somewhat guilty of the first one because I don't want to do the second one. So I'm, I'm constantly like evaluating what we're putting out. And I don't want to ever get to a place where we're just doing it because this is what we do. Like we do these podcasts, we write these blogs, and that's what we do. So we're always going to do them. And I'm constantly going like, okay, like, is this, is this show working? Should we keep doing this show? Like right now we're in the process of like we just ripped out our blog calendar and we're redoing it because I thought it was a little bit of in a rut. We weren't looking for good, like um, contributed content opportunities with publications. And so we just ripped that out and redid it. But it's so hard to find that right balance between learning from what's working and leaning into those things and not just, ah, let's change it because we've been doing this for a while. Right.
1: Yeah, it's true. And I think... That's where we you kind of get to like this like stacked learning process where essentially you're you're as you're pivoting or not as you're pivoting as you're tinkering with things you're optimizing you're tinkering you're changing potentially evolving whatever it is on on anything you're putting out or anything that you're doing advertising content production uh, email marketing whatever it is um, you are stacking your learnings in a way that. Helps you make informed decisions for what things should become in six months or twelve months, and from that standpoint, it's very hard to literally take a left turn or a right turn, a sharp left or a sharp right. Where at the end of the day, to improve something and exponentially, it's usually like uh, like a little bit of a you know a a, a soft left turn or a, you know a soft right turn. Um, and I think those incremental changes that you can make to things on if you're producing a video series your editing style or if you're producing uh you know a blog changing up the architecture of your blog posts or if you're doing your email marketing maybe changing the layout or your subject line structure um so it's things like that where you can make tinkers and tweaks on top of what you're already putting out to where to you or me on the other side watching or consuming can feel totally new totally interesting totally cool and to, to us creating it's just a small tweak
0: it's just a little change yeah that is a brilliant insight and martina i hope you were taking notes while we were recording this i think i'm going to go back and watch it again myself just because i love talking to you like i feel like it's just like school in like a good way like every time every time i talk to you i go away smarter appreciate so that. thank you so much for taking the time to be a part of this with us i'm sure we'll have you back again soon so we can go another of the 17 directions we could have taken this conversation and
1: we're gonna i think we're gonna meet officially in vegas
0: right we are yeah i can't wait it's gonna be fantastic
1: yeah i appreciate you you have me on and i love what y'all are doing over there um and i i'm excited to to meet the gang in vegas i'm i'm super excited about that
0: The best part about that is, so am I. There's still members of my team that I've never met in person. (laughs) So really (laughs) looking forward to that trip. There you go. All right. So for everyone watching, thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget to like, subscribe, maybe share this with someone new. If you think they could learn from it, And we'll see you back soon. All opinions expressed by podcast guests are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Potomac Fund Management.